Hello and welcome back to the Careless Talk Climbing Podcast. We've got the second and third parts uh, of what turned out to be a three-parter with uh, Jim Pope. Uh, I'll let you know when we switch over to the third part. Um, Jim's only narrowly avoided being press-ganged into a fourth part because at one point you'll hear me saying that uh, uh, if if he wins the BBCs, the British Bouldering Championships, then we'll have to get him back to talk about that. Uh, and he very nearly did. He came second, but uh, I think we'll <laughs> let him let him get a couple of days without without me chasing him down to try and waste more of his time. Um, but yeah, this one's mostly focusing on rock climbing. It's probably about time we did move on from the comps and talk a little bit about the rocks because we've got quite a lot to cover. Yes. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Yeah, I've been <laughs> babbling on. <laughs> no, no, no. We like to do comps first. Um I don't know why, but that's just the order we do it. Um, I, find, I wasn't sure. I didn't. I wasn't actually sure if we were gonna if we were gonna do both. I I, I thought maybe it was just comps. No, we we're gonna I'm try and come in some <laughs> rock talk. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't hold Aiden back for a whole, <laughs> a whole episode. Um, okay, so even just like splitting it into rocks is tough because you do a lot. But but one thing that you've become quite known for in the last year or so has well, maybe a bit longer, um, has been your first ascenting on Gritstone. So yeah. I want to just kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because like it, it didn't know, I didn't know there was that much still to go at on Grit. And yet you kind of come up with new first ascents like every week during winter. Well, a lot of these really are scraping the barrel. Like a lot of them aren't that, um, you know, maybe of the, I think I've done around 50 now, maybe. Wow, First ascents, not all in the Peak District, but predominantly in the Peak District, and maybe I don't know. You know, a handful of them are kind of good, good, proud, like non-eliminate that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, some of them have been really cool. Like, I was really psyched to do um, this problem Bloodhound up at Howshaw Tour. That was like quite a long-standing project which i managed to do last winter um that one was cool and then another one which is quite like small and unassuming is an aa at um bang in the middle of standish plantation i think that was like one of the ones i was most psyched about just because of its location really it's like mm. the place where generations of used the like the hotspot for you know peak bouldering for for years so to put a you know quite hard boulder up kind of in plain sight in the middle of it was pretty cool which one was that one uh gorillas in the mist oh i heard of that yeah 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 i was gonna i was gonna say not to shrug at the uh at like some of the smaller kind of think filling in the gaps of things as well just because i think it does equip you with a fresh set of eyes in terms of uh kind of like understanding what can be climbed and what can be a good climb um yeah. I, that was the example i thought of and the other one i was just uh i went to the lily savage boulder in ogwen valley oh, yeah. uh, last week yeah, yeah. and the sit to that blankety blank um a really like proud feature like it's like there's yeah. a lot of climbing there and it's slap bang in like a face which is like a super classic little collection of boulders there was one prowl that madame allure was done to the left and then nothing else on the face was done. There are a lot of people in North Wales capable of climbing uh, 8A, uh, Blankety Bank, which Jim did his 8A. 
And there's also a lot of 8As that have been done, which are a lot, lot worse than that. So like having like a fresh set of eyes in the scene can often be quite good. And I don't know if you're screwing around, like kind of filling in gaps and like find yeah. like finding value in tiny things that can often be quite helpful for yeah. good eye, good of what's good. And do you spend like quite it. a long time like looking? Like Ooh, do you yeah. sometimes just just go out just to just to search? Yeah, yeah, a lot. I um I find resting really hard. <laughs> if I have a day where um I'm not doing any anything, I felt like I'll quite often just go out for a walk with Sam and just look around crags or go and brush something up or yeah a lot what, i can't what drive it? so wherever yeah. i can get to by bike or bus yes yeah, i i found that out one time because um uh someone was saying you know just like oh jim's done a first ascent and and i think i was saying that it's amazing how much rock climbing jim does and then someone said yeah he doesn't even drive and i was like how <laughs> how the hell is he getting around <laughs> slagging lifts left right and center <laughs> it's remarkable <laughs> i've got my test i've got my test coming up so hopefully this winter i will i'll have wheels and then i think i'm gonna get out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> then you can finally get out twice a day it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be everywhere pinging around <laughs> but what what is it about um first ascents that particularly draw you in um i so i think I think for me, I don't know, I've always been really into climbing history. Uh, I've always read like a lot of books, like autobiographies or, you know, like the small print about the history in the front of guidebooks and, you know, just like all that sort of thing. And I think I quite like uh, the idea of sort of, um, you know, just having, giving your contribution to like the climbing society on a whole and also just having sort of like, I don't know it's sort of like it's an ex- almost an expression of yourself as as like a climb which people can always you know everyone will be able to go to it and like do it and have a good time and it's something that you've like contributed which I quite like mm. places kind of require like uh I don't know if to fully develop areas I mean there's been a lot of that around the Peak District but clearly still things to do um, with Wyoming Brook being yours and Sam's stamp stomping ground. They kind of like require some like people who are properly willing to like put in the time, explore all the intricacies of like an area and go through the process of cleaning everything up, building landings. Like you require that almost like obsessive tenacity and exploiting an area for all it's worth to like kind of like fully develop a, a little region. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, um, definitely challenging i think that's another aspect of it that i like like trying to um you know just just find stuff as well where other people haven't like you were saying up at blankety blank just like looking at things with a new set of eyes and just trying to squeeze bits in i've also done like a lot of climbing in i've lived in sheffield for five years now so i've done like quite a lot you know far from everything but i've done a lot of stuff so just just to do new stuff as well. How come so many of your first ascents are graded 8A? 
I just love um, it. Looks better on the logbook than Seven <laughs> C Plus or Seven C. So <laughs> some of them are probably quite hard as well. Yeah, I feel like a lot of them are harder than that, more than easy. Oh, maybe yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've I've had a lot of my stuff downgraded though. Like, um, I think I tend to just I don't I don't really have much of like a process of what I how I grade something. Um, you know, Dan was very in his podcast with Grimer was sort of saying like if I do something in a session it can't be 8B if it takes me a couple of sessions it, it might be this grade and 8B plus is the max so let it it's not about, it's really not about its flaws that system <laughs> <laughs> I've not got like a, a system or anything I just sort of and I've been thinking about this quite a bit recently actually because I've done a few new things the last like couple of weeks and just thinking about grading them I'm like well I've not been bouldering at all recently so am I even in shape where it just that that can add like a bit of a trickiness to, to um to grading things? But mm. yeah, I think anything I've ever given harder than eight eight has swiftly been downgraded. So <laughs> right, yeah, most often through way of method though, right? Um, yeah, I yeah. To... So that thing I was talking about, bloodhound, I. For when I did that, I thought it was like, at, well, maybe still is. It felt like the hardest thing I had done on grit, and I so I went with eight B for that. But I think um, that sort of settled at eight A now. Oh, that's quite a big drop. Yeah, but to be honest, I think a lot of people are sort of hesitant to give like some big grades to things. But I quite often find, I'm not saying I always do this, but if something is a bigger grade people tend to be more keen to go and try it uh, absolutely think, yeah and you know if something's like a long way up a hill and you give <laughs> it a, a shitty grade no one's gonna walk up there for a 7b plus yeah obviously that's a big difference between those two grades but and then people walk up there they do it they take an aa for it and they've had a flip an amazing day out because they yeah, just did an AA and two yeah. goes <laughs> yeah you've just been rewarded for the long walk how's it not yeah. a win-win-win <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the funny thing that I've always noticed about people complaining about areas being soft or areas being sandbagged yeah. like people can complain supposedly bitterly about areas being soft but they're always doing it with a smile on their face and talking about what a great time they had smashing all these boulders. Yeah. People yeah, don't do yeah. that about areas that, that shot them down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd like no. to think they're generally somewhat, like the grades are somewhat in the right area, but God knows. I just like it when I see that people have like gone and gone and done them. And I've added some real crap stuff to the district. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and sometimes you, know, you look on UKC and it's had like, 40 logs or something and it's just like what on earth are people doing there is so much better stuff out there to go and do and they're like going and repeating those but it's still kind of nice to it's nice to see i love that that's that's what you've described your own legacy as there for the industry <laughs> a guy who added a whole lot of crap to the industry <laughs> yeah. but nah, yeah. Some some of it has been good, but some of the good stuff as well. The, they're the cherries on top, but there's a yeah. big cake of crap underneath. <laughs> 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 I think um, 
I think frowned upon is the the one I'm like most psyched with, most proud of. Aiden was was there when I did that one. It's like um, the front facing, the front face of the smiling buttress boulder. Oh right, yeah. I was, yeah, I was so gonna like I was a... gonna talk about that at one point actually. Nice. Uh, yeah, I was um I was gonna bring that up because I think two of like the I haven't seen many like really cool grit stone ascents, but uh, I think both of the time one uh, it was on frowned upon and on appointment of death um, where I, well, I'd be lady on that and spotted you on frowned upon. And I was all, I was amazed at like, okay. In my head, when I looked at people do sketchy trad routes, I was like, wow, like there's a difficulty to it. Like the climbing is obviously hard. It's a very weird style and the mental game looks so difficult. How do you prepare yourself to be doing like quite hard move in a, or like very risky style of moves confidently above no gear or very bad gear. Um, and so in my head, I always had the impression that there'd be some like, I don't know, intense meditative psychological preparation, which people would go through before these ascents. And then the two coolest ones I've seen, like, Belaying and spotting. There's like no thought when it's <laughs> you just, <laughs> just kind of like did the moves on a rope and then you're like, ah yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> just like, <laughs> on, which I thought was yeah, quite quite I don't know if everyone does it like that. Obviously, it's, like, um it's easy easy to feel safe when I've got you with your arms outstretched underneath. <laughs> oh, trust me, I didn't have you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but uh yeah, no, I thought um I don't actually know how other people prepare for stuff like that. It seemed like once you'd done the moves, there was quite a lot of conviction in like, uh, like there was quite a lot of certainty in your ability to do it, which I don't know. I don't, I definitely don't think I have that confidence, especially on gridstone. Um, I don't think you've had many particularly nasty falls. I think usually your judgment call is quite good. Is that something? <laughs> yeah, Dutchwood. Is that something which, like, you found you've developed just by being there for a long time, or is that something you've uh, always had a pretty good judge of? I think I've got quite a good judge of knowing what I can, yeah, what I can do, knowing how something feels, and then also being able to kind of judge how it's going to feel, like on lead or something, because there's quite can be quite a big difference between, you know, you try something on a rope but then when you try it from the ground like placing gear and being a bit more tired um or the other way around you know trying something without having the top rope above you sometimes like feels a lot nicer so yeah i think it's just a bit of like intuition i guess yeah being able to gauge how do you find like is it a challenge to because obviously like obviously there's a certain element of fear for anyone that does it and maybe I haven't properly challenged it, but like, uh, and obviously I'm aware that everyone has that to a certain degree, but like not letting that interfere with how well you climb. Is that something you practiced? Or was that just like, um, always quite I, good. I don't know if it's some, I don't know if it's something I've, I'd say I've practiced, but I, you know, it's, I tend to, I'll always try and be calculated. Like I wouldn't take unnecessary risks so I'll, I'll always think about like what a worst case scenario would be and how you could like minimize 
that from happening basically so with like appointment with death for example so the crux move um with or the move i found was the hardest wasn't actually that high up the wall and i thought if i fell from there it would be quite all right you'd take a bit of a clattery fall but you'd be fine um and then i was confident in myself that i wouldn't fall after that i know mm. when i actually got around to it that pebble snapped so like i could have fallen but like yeah i was more random error was that yeah. the one with the famous video of you when you hold it with one arm yeah 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 Ah, oh, yeah. such a good video. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much. There's so much more going on in that little clip than people realise. <laughs> the one thing that the one thing I was really worried about was that um, I'd said to Aidan if I fell off that he should jump off the ledge to take as much of the slack in as I could. <laughs> and when that foot broke and I slid down a little bit, I I just had this split second where I was like, oh my god, Aidan. He's going to jump off and just yank me down <laughs> into the ground. I properly twitched as well on the yeah. ledge as if to like kind of jump backwards, but like kind of thankfully my reactions were too slow there. <laughs> just send it off the, the ledge. Yeah. Oh, good fun. Really? Exciting. <laughs> I mean, that's such a great video, though, because it does show, it never, you don't need to be that strong to climb it, but it never hurts to be that strong. And that's a yeah. great example. As just, to just a couple why. of days before, me and Buster had been chatting about how you didn't really need to be strong to climb on grit. It was all just about, uh, you know, like being able to move quite well and, and yeah. body positioning and stuff. But then after that, I was kind of joking with him. I was like, oh, actually, maybe it's quite nice to have. <laughs> Just a little bit in the tank. <laughs> Your weighted one arm has came yeah. into their own. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. if, if you weren't so strong, you would have taken a really nasty fall there. Because I mean, Aiden's just proven that he clearly wasn't going to jump off that ledge. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. He... <laughs> <laughs> oh. but you, did, you went through a long um, phase of doing. Lo- you did like so many of the classic scary trad routes. Have you still got more to go, or have you kind of through that? phase no I'm, I'm yeah i'm definitely still interested i think um the main thing that put a bit of a halt on it was covid really um so missed out on a bit of a grit season and then when the next one came around and covid was still like quite a big thing didn't really feel that responsible to be hurling <laughs> yourself at um, <laughs> big e numbers when <laughs> the nhs was already under some strain the last thing they need is me rocking up with two broken ankles so yeah <laughs> i didn't um i didn't really do any that like that winter but um and then once once you get out of a lull of it, it like it takes a bit of time to get like confidence in your ability on that sort of style of climbing as well so i've sort of i did i got back into doing some tread climbing but nothing really um that stand out like maybe you know like a couple e7s and stuff on the mm. grit and a couple like um you know like trips to pembroke and stuff so like different but just with different objectives like um just to try to do loads of on-siteing like get better at placing loads of gear on like different styles of um routes and stuff but yeah this this winter i'm definitely keen to try and tick off a few more routes especially in in yorkshire i think have you got any that are top of the list yeah uh i'd so 
in the Peak District, I'd really like to do a Parthian shot this mm. winter. Um, what else? Uh, maybe dynamics of change on the same same block. Um, in Yorkshire, I'd love to do like reservoir dogs uh, at Widdup. That looks amazing. Uh, take a look at new statesmen as well at Ilkley. So yeah, there's there's like there's tons I want to do. And and for those listening at home, those are going to be high E grade ones, aren't they? Like yeah, I e, think is it E Parthian shot E nine or something? Yeah, Parthian Parthian shots E nine. Um, or E9, E10, sort of dependent on what mm. you choose to do with all the gear. Um, then dynamics of change, E9, um, Reservoir Dogs, E8, and um, New Statesman, E9 as well, I think. Is that all of be... those are really cool, like, regardless of grades yeah. or whatever. They're just, like, such proud, like, cool lines. I think that's what I'm pretty psyched about in Yorkshire. Maybe if it doesn't have the volume of like hard trad routes, just I think the lines are so much, so much better over there. Wow. Yeah. It's a long way from um, Boulder Comps, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, strangely, I think when I was doing the season, I was doing a lot of trad climbing is when I was doing the best in the Boulder Comps because I think I was just like so confident in my own ability. And I think the two were like working really well with each other. The appointment with that day we went and did appointment with Jeff. That was the day after our um, team selection, wasn't it, Aiden? Yeah, yeah, that, that was part. like yeah, yeah, comp selection. Yeah, we were in full boulder mode at that point. Yeah, yeah, I do you remember that? Well, something that one of my uh, favorite climbers always says, uh, Matt Cousins, is that grit climbing is like climbing on one big volume. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> essentially right. there is carryover believe it or not oh, that's quite yeah yeah I'd, I'd agree with that quite a good analogy i suck on both so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah me too so it carries over yeah yeah <laughs> the theory has legs yeah <laughs> how about how about um abroad trips jim have you got like for rock have you got anything in mind yeah i mean i'd love to like in, I mean, Switzerland was for bouldering kind of like one of my first sort of trips of any sort of length. I mean, me and Aidan also went to Albaracin together a couple of years ago, and I've had a couple of short trips to Font, but um, Switzerland was the first time where it was sort of more than more than a week. So, and I, I loved it. Um, yeah, I definitely want to do more trips. Uh, abroad and i think once i'm done with uni as well i'll have like quite a bit more time for mm. for that sort of thing um but yeah i plan to i'd like to hopefully go on a bouldering trip um like end of like autumn start of winter and then in january i think i'm going to try and go um big walling in in mexico Oh, wow. That's completely different. <laughs> you didn't expect that one, did you? <laughs> no, but when chatting to Jim, I should expect the unexpected, really. <laughs> uh, okay. What, what is the, Tell us more about the big walling in Mexico. I didn't even know there was big walling in Mexico. Yeah. Have you ever seen that video of um, Honold, like, soloing some sort of, I think it's 7B plus in Mexico? No, I don't There's think like so. a really famous... Um, area there called Prochera Chica. Well, there's loads actually. There's like loads of walls there. But, um, it's quite a famous spot. But a good friend of mine, Pat, who I climb quite a lot with in Sheffield, he's just heading off to uh, America 
on like a big like one year road trip um starting up in canada and sort of uh, making his way down to patagonia and i think he's going to be in um he's going to be in mexico around january time and when i finished when i finished my undergrad we were going to go to uh, madagascar big walling but um that just tied in with covid so that sort of fell through so now that i'm finishing my master's i'm quite psyched to kind of go away on a yeah big, big trip not tied down to location yeah people go on climbing trips mexico and madagascar aren't normally top of the list <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i like that yeah slightly esoteric spot i'm trying to remember the name of the place there's a bouldering place in Spain that you always taught, spoke you oh, spoke about. Um, um, Oya Moros. Yeah, that's the one. That looks incredible. Name. I'd love to go there. Mm. It sort of looks like the bishop of Europe. You've got like these really big um, granite boulders like up in the mountains. I think to walk up there is like a couple of hours, but then you just stay there and the the, the climbs just look crazy. Uh, yeah, massive boulders. Yeah, which I always think is quite cool, because especially for someone who hasn't done an awful lot of bouldering trips, I feel like the default often is to be like, magic wood, Fontainebleau, (laughs) count me in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, it's quite cool to like kind of, yeah, be able to discern more adventurous quality trip as well as just like big numbers. every, Every climbing trip sits on like a scale with like just pure kind of climbing at one side like athletic feet climbing at one side and like pure adventure on the other and like ev- yeah. and, and it can go anywhere can't it on that scale yeah mm. and it sounds like you quite like to push it a little bit more to the adventure side yeah i think i i, I like difficulty like mm. don't get me wrong i i like a good grade hunt but yeah. um <laughs> but yeah i think like a bit of both is good like equally, I wouldn't be as keen on going somewhere really adventurous with like, if it's all going to be just like boring, like just switch off your mind, like plodding on yeah. easy stuff. Like there's got to be a nice balance, I think. But as well, I would like to, like like I was saying earlier, at the minute I can sort of just about um, make a living off of climbing through sponsorship and stuff. Mm. which i'm super lucky to be in that position but nowadays there's there's so many people who are so strong if you wanted to be a sponsor climber and just be you know doing trips to like magic wood and stuff you need to be doing eight c's the eight c pluses whereas an event going to somewhere like really cool i think is pretty valuable to as well as getting a, a better experience than going and climbing on some polished like well traffic boulders i think it's quite like i think people like to see that as well yeah I'd, yeah less modern places i mean that's better really because if you want to see someone climbing ac and magic wood just stick it into youtube <laughs> yeah take, take, out, your pick. Um, take a look at this Oyamoros place it's like yeah. i'm probably saying it horrendously wrong but it, it looks nuts there's this one boulder which is like a triangle but it's probably i don't know if, 20 meters high has oh, this God. like high boy a up it it just looks looks nuts insane spot i was actually it's interesting you say that talking about that um thing with 
making a living out of climbing and the avenue in which you do that i think that is where it's one thing about like we spoke about like whether there's detriment to each of like the branches of climbing you pursue by doing all of them um i think that applies quite strongly to like the sponsorship side of thing as well there almost isn't that like level of appreciation solely for being a generalist in climbing like in like there's often uh the quite like measurable kind of things are often or like the things which are very easily conveyed to the community are the things which are much more uh, um desirable almost in that format so like it might big numbers or you can flash this harder route or this harder boulder um and that kind of like adventurous side of things or like the ability to do all things is often a bit harder to capture or like convey especially to sponsors unless like the people uh pulling the strings are a bit more like tuned into that yeah you have to be like quite a keen climber and i spoke i had a discussion a little bit about this um i did a little bit of trad when i was up in scotland um about uh like uh the it's so hard to measure like trad ability and experience and like to the outside world i mean lots of the time myself included someone doing like an e11 or something you're like wow e11 crazy yeah. um you can get people with very little trad experience like uh very new to the game well like matt Wright yeah. just did uh did lexicon not too long ago and hasn't been trad climbing for very long at all but you compare that to like someone like james mccaffey or something who kind of can just go out every session on site e6 e7 which is like an insane feat uh requires a lifetime of experience to do but just can't really be conveyed to the public in a similar way i kind of feel like that can like translate quite well to being a generalist in perspective i think i read somewhere once that james has He's, I think, calf's on sighted more E7s um, than the rest of the climbers in the UK combined. <laughs> maybe it's changed. Maybe it's um, that stat might have like changed now that more people are like operating at that grade. But like, I rem- I think I remember reading that a few years ago. At so one point, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is Le- insane. And like, you go to. I'm sitting in London now in a flat. I could go to the climbing mall just over the road and like I can almost guarantee that pe- people won't have heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's what the it's people pulling the strings of sponsorship kind of look for, isn't it? Yeah, I've always been a big uh, believer that the climbing world massively overestimates the importance of people's hardest or like biggest number. Mm. Um, and a much better way of evaluating how good someone is at climbing. It's it's look what they can do in a session slash their volume slash what they can on site, I suppose. Um, I think that that actually, if you measure people by that metric, you'd get a much clearer kind of... Of how good people are. How good people are. I think so, yeah. I don't think... Because t- like if someone's done like... If you, if you couldn't do a hard, you know, really big number, but you put in 40 sessions, then that's... I mean, it's not not quite the same thing because most people don't put in that kind of sessions. Yeah, but I guess like they're not necessarily looking for a measure of who's the best climber, but who's the most seen climber. Yeah. Yeah. Which climber is going to inspire more people? 
and lots of the time that's done by big numbers maybe i guess big numbers is easy to like everyone can understand like if you're doing the v grade system everyone can understand that the bigger the number the better you know that's easy to portray isn't it so jim you're never going to get anywhere if you keep sounding <laughs> your shy balls in the peak says <laughs> 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 you we do do that in the uk don't we like yeah it's a good point the grades of things i mean grades is a massive topic but like so last i don't know last winter i did um i repeated one of dan's aas the darkest cloud the um five clouds and for me that was like one of the hardest boulders I've done, I think. Um, and, you know, it took me quite a few sessions, finally did it, you know, you, and you post about it and it's just like, oh, here I am. I've just done an 8A. And it's <laughs> like, every, and every if, if you come from like Switzerland or something, you'd yeah, be like, you- all right, cool. What you? <laughs> and then you <laughs> go, you go to Switzerland a few that. weeks later. And yeah do heritage in like a couple of tries <laughs> yeah like... the, the answer to that people who are from you know switzerland or, or anywhere else really in the world is like okay what did you do in your afternoon <laughs> that was that was a fun warm-up yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah you then, are kind of right we shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit perhaps and it probably holds everyone back you know like no big time or less big time sponsors are going to be like unless you're going away on trips and doing these big numbers, like you say, like, but there's not much, I guess it depends what the brand's after, but yeah. It's unlikely to, yeah. Draw as much allure to the athletes that can do AA in 25 sessions. (laughs) (laughs) The the thing is though, I think we're moving into the era where most brands are looking for personalities. obviously you want a hard climber great but like strong climbers are 10 a penny now there are like there are thousands of them so you just want to pick one that kind of meets your brand's identity and morals rather than just like oh this one's the strongest one that doesn't work so well it well yeah that's the way i see it anyway i don't know if that's actually happening yeah yeah yeah, i know what you mean i think it depends a lot on the companies as well doesn't it I um I have something that I wanted to ask both of you actually. Um, when we were out in Rocklands, Nathan, Tara, and I were trying to devise a new grading scale that was beyond <laughs> ego and difficulty. So we had four categories, and I want you to list them and how important you think they are to you in when you're assessing a climb. Okay, so so this this isn't great. This is just how good a climb is. Yeah, yeah. So if you're trying to, yeah, it's, it's nothing to do with difficulty. If you're just trying to establish how good a climb is, you have holds, moves, line, and history. What order would you put them in? I think, I think for me, history, it could, it wouldn't be the, definitely wouldn't be the top. Like it may be like second last. It's not the least important thing, but there's so many good boulders I've done that I know absolutely nothing about. And I don't think, I think, or definitely with bouldering, like for me, maybe just because I don't know as much of the history, but play is like a very little part of it. 
and mm. like I feel like generally even if a line is historical say something like careless talk it's not the history which draws you to that it's like it's the line there mm. mm-hmm. I think I'd, I'd have to go line first then I'd probably say holds uh history moves Oh, interesting. Interesting. Moves right at the bottom. Interesting. How about you, Aiden? That's funny because I'd want to put line first. I want myself to want to put line first, but I think I'd actually put moves first. Oh, wow. Uh, And then would I put moves? Hang on. The question was what attracts you to a... So basically, if if it was up to you, just purely for you assessing how good a boulder is. Oh, maybe line would be quite high. I think if you if you went to a crag for the first time, moves wouldn't be the first thing that you'd see. You'd like you'd first be drawn by what looked like the best lines. And then once you got closer, you'd see what the holds looked like. And only once trying it would you figure out whether the moves were cool. So yeah, that is a good point. My, that's the my f- ordering. The first time at a crag is actually a good distinction. I do kind of agree with the point you made about the relationship between line and history. And so think I probably would put history at the bottom. Um, it's different about, yeah, when you're trying a climb, what I enjoy most, I think where I not were to look at a climb from an outside perspective, I think you're right. The line draws you in. Uh, and then you look at the holds, you enjoy the holds, then you sample the moves. Um, and that is definitely like, yeah, and then like without trying something that's like i'd agree with that uh ordering i feel like preference once i've tried a boulder i think i enjoy them the movement is something i take away most from it um so having tried something i think moves are really important to me yeah i'd agree with that then yeah the line is obviously cool as a sense of satisfaction when you've done a cool line i do really like nice holds I've also, in my time, had a lot of enjoyment of figuring out climbs and utilising what are objectively quite disgusting holds and <laughs> haven't complained too much about it. So, <laughs> I mean, like nice holds I can very much appreciate, but I can usually see past a very ratty set of crawly crimps um, and still find some <laughs> enjoyment in the climb. <laughs> but, but did... Did you choose the ratty holds, Aiden, or did the ratty holds choose you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess it. Yeah, I guess I grew you up. Seek out the ratty holds. <laughs> I go looking. <laughs> I go looking. <laughs> but it's like you wouldn't like them so much if you weren't so damn good at them. That is probably quite true. I think yeah, I find. I, hate <laughs> <laughs> I think I find it quite satisfying, but I probably wouldn't if I sucked on. So what's what's your final order, Aiden? You had you had um, moves top, did you? Wait, it depends on. This is a boulder that I've tried. A boulder that I've tried, I'd probably go moves line holds history. Moves line holds history. Yeah, it's a boulder you've tried. We'll say it's a yeah. It's like now. during the process of trying to do something, perhaps that would be it. Uh, moves line holds history, and Jim had line, then holds moves history. Is it that? No, history holds wasn't history bottom. Moves. Yeah, holds, holds history moves. Yeah. Which is really maybe, if I'd, maybe if I tried it, I would switch things around and go line moves, holds history. Mm. 
It's interesting because like it was just like first inspection. You rocked up at the crag, I think. Yeah. Because when we were discussing it in Rocklands, we ended up with a different list altogether because we actually put holds first. Really? Um, yeah. Because we felt like, I mean, in, in a way it was quite difficult to separate holds and moves because we had some, you know, like how good can the moves be if you're on razors, basically, was the theory. But, but oh, we were, can be pretty good. <laughs> quiet you <laughs> but so we were trying to separate them as much as possible um because there are some boulders out there that like you know it's a really cool striking line or something um but the holds are miserable like horrible and that tends to make the boulder bad because yeah, like at yeah, the end of the yeah. day you've got to you've got to put your you know flesh on, on the holds don't you and if they're gonna if it's gonna cut you it's it kind of ruins the fun so yeah, yeah. we ended up we ended yeah. up with holds moves line history hmm. um and i do think you know maybe now thinking about it again maybe we didn't maybe line was a bit low but, but yeah that's it's what we even more subjective with. It's even more subjective than just putting difficulty on something, though, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was like, if the idea being, if you could just grade boulders on how good they are, it'd be just interesting to see. Because we were trying to see, like, which boulders would do really well. Because it it shouldn't really have anything to do with how hard they are. Um, And the winner for the trip was Black Eagle, which, oh, it's just a phenomenal climb. And it happens to also be quite hard. Yeah. does Does it break quite regularly? Um, not as far as I know. Not, not oh, that I've, yeah. I, don't I think, think it has. has has I, it? I think it has over the years. Oh, this is Mickey's one, right? Uh, Mickey, Mickey did one. it. I yeah. thought I thought it was okay. I thought it was Mickey's as well. But we, me and Nathan were talking about it earlier today. I think I think it was Mickey's originally, and then it broke, and then it wasn't redone for ages. And I can't remember. I think one of the uh, Mellow crew might have reclimbed it. But yeah, I could be wrong. Um, I don't think it was Mickey's boulder. Okay, I think he di- he definitely did it. Fred Fred Nicole. I, I, I think, think it's a, I think it's a Fred Nicole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and so, and just being a Fred Nicole seems to almost add a point. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are some people I, who are like if it's a... theirs, that it's just like a bit cooler. Same as like Dave Graham. If it's a Dave Graham boulder, it's just immediately a bit cooler. Linked yeah. with um, Fred McCall, Aiden uh, Badger has had a wealth of development recently. Linked to Fred McCall? Um, well, you know, there's the boulder in there, Thread McCall. Oh, Thread McCall. Yeah, actually, this could be another news exclusive I heard on I, the great part. Oh, yeah, news exclusive. Hours <laughs> of Wonder is no longer the hardest boulder in the UK. What? Ah. That's a short rain. That was quick. That was quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That might be. I might be speculating a bit, but I think there may be another eight C plus on the block. Oh, oh, nice! Ah, it's kind of nice to see it being a bit more normalised in the UK. Because, like, and this is well, a bit of story. This is Will, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, like... mate. It was. <laughs> Jins <laughs> <laughs> get swooped in between between lead comps and shuffle <laughs> <laughs> up some projects. Um, yeah, I kind of like. There's a bit of like a 
well, I mean, internationally, I guess it's only recently been like properly accepted. Um, and in many ways, the UK has always been a little bit behind on that grade front. But like, we actually have some climbers incredibly capable on like an international level as well. Will, of course, well, we spoke to Will not too long ago. And of course, being, well, in my eyes, like, especially in his style, probably one of the best in the world, like incredibly capable of climbing that kind of difficulty. Uh, so kind of cool to see that yeah. becoming a bit more normalized in the UK. And it, it'll be I'm, interesting to see some other people on it because it's quite like, it's, it's um, the crux revolves around like two finger pockets. So it's oh, pretty, wow. Um, so up his street. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wonder like how much of, we spoke about like Brits kind of shooting themselves in the foot with never being that, um, never pushing the boat out too far with grades. Um, but it will be interesting if it gets more international attention with, mm. I think I do often think just like big numbers do draw people in. Yeah, I it, said he should have given it 9A. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just to get him across to Badger oh, Cove. Yeah. <laughs> That would be great because it would get people to come try it. I mean, yeah. Aiden's going all the way to Finland for his. <laughs> if it, if Gnarly hadn't given that 9A, would you have gone to try it? Would you even know what it is? That was a good question. I'm That's pretty a sure great question. If he gave it 7C, <laughs> I probably never would have tried it. You're right. Yeah. I think that makes you're a great hunter like the rest of <laughs> I'm a great hunter. <laughs> but I'd be a bit skeptical about a feature length documentary about Nale developing a uh, yeah, yeah. 7C over three and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> but would you um would you be keen to go try this new one then, Aiden? It's your your level. Um in Badger Cove. Yeah. I'm actually very keen to go back to Badger Cove um because I scouted out a project in there which i think is uh the project i was trying sits between will's new thing and the wilderness if i'm right jim yeah. knows this more i haven't seen will on his new thing um but i kind of like saw it to the right and i think it is that thing um uh so i'm quite i was quite keen for that and i never even i didn't actually like really see the sequence on will's thing um so it'd be quite cool to give that a look i've heard it'll be interesting of, because i feel like you will piss the bottom bit of it where it's quite physical burly moves but it, i i don't know how you are on pockets like yeah if, neither do i actually i don't think i'm great but i've never really done any hard really, problems really on pockets hard to tell. yeah yeah That's yeah i've literally i've literally never done a single hard boulder on pockets um, so I couldn't really tell you how good I am. But it's tricky because it looks Will said it was a lot harder than the eight C's, but then is it eight C plus? But then God, it's so hard. It gets pretty condensed at that top grade. Everything's like in such a small Yeah. Places, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, Even yeah. For my vast wealth of experience climbing that grade. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is all quite condensed and they're quite broad ranges, like the AC grade is like, I think kind of internationally quite accepted to be like incredibly broad just because it was so long before it was like surpassed or like broken, mm. broken into the AC plus. So like that just broadened and broadened. Uh, 
So I think, uh, yeah, there's, it's quite hard to slot them all into the relevant boxes, but no, I'm keen to have a look. Um, I've got a pulley strain, which I'm nursing right now. So probably not super soon, but, uh, uh, before mm. long okay this is the crossover point uh that was where we ended our first chat with jim um but then we had a a few more questions to ask him because uh, we didn't cover anything about training uh, and we wanted to have a little chat about um a very successful uh, munich uh, european championship result where jim made semis in both lead and boulder uh, and it kind of seemed strange to release a jim pope episode and not mention that when things were going quite well for him uh, so yeah, this is the third part where we cover uh, that aforementioned European Championship, um, but also we talk about training and have some sort of lightweight chat at the end. Cool. Um, yeah. So Jim, thanks. Thanks for coming back. That this first time we've had to pull someone back because we didn't ask enough questions. <laughs> um, but just so happens that since you uh since we last chatted you've you had the european cups so i kind of wanted to briefly touch on that because you were quite disparaging about your bouldering ability and then you made semis so that must have been a pretty good round yeah yeah it was a nice surprise actually um i hadn't bouldered since probably um maybe may time when i did a european cup earlier in the year and that was actually what selected me to do boulder in munich so yeah it was nice uh, it was quite a small field but it was like a pretty pretty stacked field but um because of its size it was good i mean i was out um i was out second last but that was still my earliest um ever starting <laughs> position in a comp so i was kind of like <laughs> like i was psyched to be out there kind of early and um yeah i, d I think because i was like it was the only one i'd done of the year i didn't really i was out quite late i didn't put that much pressure on myself i was just gonna try and my the aim of it was just to like try and get used to competing in boulder again and just not let the round sort of like take over if it was going badly or anything and just try and like um do as good as I could on each of the boulders and yeah after qualifiers it actually turned out all right and I yeah made semis so. did did you feel like you'd done enough to make semis no not at all it was really um it was a really hard round so the first uh we had we had five boulders I flashed the first one and then the next three were just savage um <laughs> I didn't get the zone on the second one the third one got the bonus after a couple of tries. The fourth one basically didn't get off the floor. Um, <laughs> so, and then Matt managed to flash, flash the slab at the end. So I was just kind of like, oh, fucking hell, that was, that was brutal. But I felt, I, I kind of left it feeling like I did as well as I could have, like given sort of the circumstances. It was really hot and a few of them revolved around like holding some, some bad volumes and stuff. And I, I felt like maybe in training I might have been able to do some of the boulders if i had more time but like on the day i felt i did as good as i could have and i was sort of chatting behind the wall with another uh competitor from slovenia who sort of he was in a similar position to me both of us were like oh yeah i mean i think we did a bit of shit but <laughs> hey ho sort of thing and then both yeah both of us actually made semis for it so yeah it was yeah. a really really tough round yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good effort because there were some pretty big surprises. Some of our own hard hitters didn't make semis, which was a bit of a shock. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just me and Hamish made semis. Um, I was chatting to Max about it a little bit. Like, I think for him it came as quite a shock considering he'd made every semi at every World Cup this year. Yeah, yeah, it was so a surprise, was, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. And then and, the semis and, were quite similar, actually, like a really, another really hard round. I think you could get into finals off of one top. Right. Oh, wow. so, yeah. yeah. Finals was a hard set. It was a hard comp by the yeah. time. Yeah. The finals looked like a hard set as well. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of tops, was there? Um, did the boulder, the boulder came before the lead, didn't it? Yeah. It did... went boulder qualifier, lead qualifier. Boulder semi, lead semi. So it was four days of pretty savage back to back. Yeah, you must have been pretty knackered by the end of the fourth day. Yeah, I mean, at the start of the fourth day, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was totally destroyed. I had, I was warming up in um, like rubber gloves. Um, oh, like right. Wow. Gloves just to try and like save some skin. And then it was just like so horrible climbing. I was, I was bleeding from uh, four tips, like. Oh god! On on that day, and I, yeah, I could definitely like I definitely struggled on on the lead semi final. It's interesting, isn't mm. it? Because it's it's almost like strategically, if you wanted to do better in one discipline, it would be advantage. Because so many people are doing the combined. If you just mm. snuck in there and just did the lead, you'd probably get more skin, and most of the competitors would have lost a bunch from the bowl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially with like the style of like. The comps these days, skin becomes like such a big factor. Never yeah, heard of true. someone warming up in rubber gloves. I'm quite <laughs> interested. Yeah, in that's, that's it, yeah you know, you know, there's sort of like um, like building gloves which are like, just, just yeah, rubberized work. on the fingers. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. good if you get like a snug fitting pair. You can like grip things pretty well. I've seen some people setting in, but uh, yeah, never seen people warming up. But yeah, it's quite a good idea. Yeah, up your skin game. Get the marigolds out. <laughs> I think they'd be hard. You've got to remember to take them off before you actually get out there and start climbing. <laughs> would it actually, would it be against the rules? It probably would be, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it would count as like, um, yeah. Performance like enhancing? Knee, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, like, like knee pads aren't allowed. It's, it's like an extension of your, your body, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That knee pads are officially not allowed in the comps. Yeah, it's just a series of arbitrary rules climbing, isn't it? Like, yeah, knee, pad, knee pads are allowed to scale a boulder, but you can't have dry tooling axes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does make some sense. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Where, don't know where else going with that. <laughs> but anyway, that, that, you must have been pretty psyched with that, Jim. That was a that was a pretty yeah. good comp. Yeah, I was really happy with it. Um, yeah, and, and it was a combined comp, so viewing it from like a combined um, perspective, it was good to like get experience doing both disciplines and and to make semis in both disciplines. I was I was really proud of. So yeah, that was a nice one. Yeah, great effort. Did it slightly change your outlook on comps? I know. Uh, I know. Going into it, we spoke to you the first time before this competition. And the season hadn't been going as well for you. It's like perhaps you'd liked it too. Um, yeah. And then you had this comp and it went pretty well. Has it like changed a little bit of your outlook on like how you view comps? Yeah, we spoke about this a little bit the other day. Um, 
I think it did, it did a little bit. Like it definitely got me psyched to. Um, it just feels good when you do well, so it definitely got me psyched to try and like keep going with it. And I'd say the lead in the semi-finals like did still didn't go that well, but but then it's hard to tell how I would have done if I wasn't like totally destroyed. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it definitely got me really keen for like to give the boulder a good go next year because I, I think I could. Um, I think I could do pretty well with that. So I think this winter I'm going to try and put everything into it, maybe try and climb outside a little less and um, see how next year goes. And then I'll probably call it after next year. Ah, we'll come speak to you again, come grit season and see how that's going for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been thinking, thinking a lot about this recently and it's like, it's so hard to... Um, it's so hard to like choose what to do and it's so hard to like talk to anyone about it as well because I feel like everyone is so either in one camp or the other it's so hard to get a opinion which is like people will either say do the comps or people will either say oh go climb outside and I feel like there's hardly anyone who I could talk to who would give me like a non-biased option of like what what they think is like best to do if that makes sense I guess it's like really hard to say what's best for someone else, though, isn't it? Cause yeah, like, yeah, that's very, yeah, that's very true. But but maybe like the best, maybe non-climbers are the best people to give yeah. advice. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, all climbers have got a bit of skin in the game on that question, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. But no, I think I think this winter I'm going to try. I'm not going to say I'm not going to climb outside because that I just wouldn't be able to do that. But I'm definitely going to try and do less everything into next year's season and then I'll um I think then I'll have given it like one true big effort and then I'll probably call it after that. Yeah. Well hopefully it'll go well enough that you won't want to call it after that. <laughs> and then I'll just be dragged back into another dilemma and just repeat the cycle until, <laughs> until I'm the thing is the thing that seems to keep people coming back the most is when it goes quite well, but not quite as well as you wanted. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, uh, you, it'd be nice to finish on like something that you'd be really proud of, wouldn't it? Yeah. And yet when that happens, it's basically just like a huge shot of smack and they're straight back <laughs> at the next round. <laughs> Searching for that high again. Full circle. Yeah, yeah it's, it's unavoidable. <laughs> Retirement. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, what we mostly wanted to talk about is we always wanted to get you back to talk about training because everyone wants to talk about training. But it just so happened you had that good comp, so it would feel weird not to mention it. Um, and so I was thinking uh, this morning that'd be pretty funny if we did this and then you won the BBCs or something and we had to get, try and get you back <laughs> on to talk about it. <laughs> that's, that's the aim. Try. You keep winning comps or doing well. I've got to give Max uh, and for his money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But anyway, Jim, training. When you do when you do so much, how do you structure your training? Um so I've um I mean I've I've done a lot of training. I've read about a lot of training. I've I've learned about training. I've trained people, but I still think it's really um valuable to have somebody else. No matter how much you know, I think it's really valuable to have someone else do it for you. Just to have mm. like like an external opinion, and also it's just one less thing to think about. Like 
if you're doing a lot and then you have to think about your own training and planning it's just like just can be a lot a lot to do so i've always um been coached basically since i probably since i was well since i joined the castle squad when i was 10 or something and then i've been coached by um uh, mark glennon and precision climbing for i've been with mark since 2015 or 16 maybe so like yeah long mm, time now long time yeah so i basically just um just do what do what some of plan from him yeah do what i'm told yeah and do you like i presume it changes depending on what your focus is a bit yeah um so it changes throughout the year obviously it generally follows like the competition competition um schedule so boulder tends to come first so through the winter i'm normally doing more boulder training for like the boulder comps and boulder selection at the start of the year and then once those start to fade out a bit there's a bit of crossover between boulder and lead and then back end of the year um sort of like now time uh, it's generally more lead training for the lead season although that's also coming to an end as well so it's a bit weird this year because we've had some some like boulder comps thrown into the mix like pretty late so with european champs and then obviously British champs this weekend. So it's, um, it's, but I guess, I don't know. You're always like, if I, even if I say I'm like mainly doing lead in the UK, we don't have many lead walls. So a lot of my training will still be done like on boulders and things. So I guess that, that you're always all year through, I'll be still like keeping the boulder kind of topped up and having board sessions and that sort of thing. Hmm. Yeah, is is a board session quite a, like board climbing is quite a big part of it, is it? Definitely, yeah. I, I, I ha- like. There's never really a period where I won't have board sessions unless I'm um, maybe away and there just isn't one. But yeah, generally always like after a rest day, um, first session of the week would be board session. Hmm. Mm. And like, if we kind of have a kind of uh, fictional week roughly mm-hmm. like how many days would you train do you think or is it like single session days or do you do doubles or? um generally single session days sometimes uh double but normally only if i'm away so like during the summer when i was training for lead i did a couple of double session days where i might um like boulder in the morning then do endurance in the evening or i do hard routes in the morning then like doubles in the evening but generally, when I'm back in the UK, it's just single session stuff, and it's six days a week. Oh, that's quite a lot. It's a lot of training. Yeah. <laughs> when you say single session days, do you ever like fingerboard independently of your climbing, or do you usually like, incorporate that at the beginning or end of your um, climbing session? Actually, if I fingerboard, I try separate it by um, by a couple hours so i might fingerboard in the morning and train in the evening but i would still so yeah like i'm still classing that as a single session okay day. yeah yeah okay. so, sing, sing, single climbing session yeah but I'll, yeah quite often i'll have fingerboarding in the morning and then climb in the evening or something mm. or and do you have that. like do you have like periodized rest weeks where you rest like a bunch more or um ten, generally just before um I think I'm quite used to like a high load, so a high volume of training. Like I train, um, I've been used to training six days a week for a long time. It's so 
generally just before comps or something or in the off season is when I would taper it down a bit. But like generally when I'm in a training phase, I'll just maintain that six days unless I notice myself like starting to get ill or yeah. Yeah. Like, if performance is like massively decreasing or if I get injured or something, but luckily touch wood, um, I've never really experienced that. So. And on that faintly biblical seventh day of rest, how do you <laughs> how do you find that seventh day? Do you enjoy it, or are you like jonesing to go climbing? I find I I find it really hard, um, and to be honest, quite a lot of the time my day off isn't that restful. So during um, <laughs> the off season last time, I've um, we didn't have many like training boulders, so I found myself like a couple times on my rest day I'd go to Unity. And like strip and then reset all the boulders for the next like week of training <laughs> and stuff. So I only did that a few times, but I, I definitely find it like hard work to sit around. So kind of like when we were talking about outdoors, quite often on a re- on that rest day, I might go out on like a big walk and like look for boulders or yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I do think that's like a really good indicator that you're like not overtraining though. It's like. If you're struggling not to climb on your rest day, you're probably like, you're probably all right. It's more like when you're starting to like desperately long for that rest day and yeah, you yeah. kind of like enjoy that more than the climbing days. That's when you're probably overtraining. Yeah. Um, but it's funny how everyone's so different for how much training they can handle before that mm. overtraining kicks in. Yeah. I and think confirm, the- you train quite a lot, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think in the UK as a country on a whole, we train, um, we train a lot. Like I'm always surprised about how little some people like do. So when I've trained with people from other countries, it's not, it's pretty common for people to do two days on one day off or some even one day on one day off. And maybe yeah. that's good for, for some things, but I think like quite often, um, just and just in terms of like strength exercises i think we do a lot more of in the uk that sort of thing and i think you can see that in the in the cons like watching like max and hamish in the bouldering this year like they're so much stronger than some people on on some things i think that that does just come from like the amount of training they're doing is that do you mean like more like the conditioning side of the training or just the general load both, yeah. So, like, mm. I mean, we're we're all coached by the same people, and it's just a lot of training, really. Mm. Like, a lot of climbing, a lot of conditioning. Mm. Do you think uh, there's ever any like detriment to that? Like, um, just like maintaining such a high volume all the time, inevitably, like you perhaps can't quite reach that absolute cutting edge limit of like you're like really short intensive power um and like maybe that doesn't apply so much to uh lots of like the comp format where it's quite a lot of higher volume and time pressure but like like really short bursts like maybe like powerful things outside i was really amazed when i like was climbing with some good boulders around the world how little they it'd be like day on day off maybe day on two days off kind of thing yeah and like kind of I wonder if that's more suits like short, intense boulders and the higher volume stuff works way better for comps, but I'm never quite sure. As a general trend, it's always felt like lots of the time outdoor climbers seemingly, or outdoor specific climbers seemingly do a little less. 
yeah, I, I think so. I think it's just, like you say, it's just such different things that you're training for. And I guess you'd even see that between, if we compared like our training, for example. Yeah, yeah. I do a lot and less. It's, and, it's kind of, <laughs> and it's kind of the same when, when we climb outside as well, I guess. Like, um, yeah, about the quarter of the attempts that you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it is. But yeah, I feel like probably struggling in a comp format where you've got to people some people have like 12 goes in four minutes these days yeah yeah exactly yeah i'm doing well if I'm and i think 12 I think goes in a day i think like having a high volume of training you get helps with all of that sort of stuff you know obviously you don't want to be having 12 goes in five minutes you want to be doing it quicker than that but should should that sort of situation happen you know you've got the like work capacity to be able to kind of stick it out and same with like long events as well. So if you're, you know, imagine if you made all the semifinals and the finals and then combined final, you've got like, you've got six competition rounds in four days and then you've got a um, little rest and then you've got to do another full day of competition. So it's like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of climbing. I think you could, I mean, I know I just said I was knackered, but if people are used to doing one day on one day off and then all of a sudden they make yeah. two semi-finals and then they're doing four days back to back it's like su- such a shock to the system yeah that's massively not going to work you have to be ready for that <laughs> yeah. um because i find uh like whatever i kind of get used to feels fine so i've gone through phases of doing one day on one day off two days yeah. on one day off and three days on one day off and like yeah. after a while you get used to any of it um, yeah yeah but you it's really tough to switch once you've got used to something um it's it's tough to go from like if you get used to one day on one day off which i actually find a pretty dreamy um amount of training because you're kind of always fresh that way um yeah. which is kind of like because you're not properly training i think like to properly yeah. training you're not supposed to be fresh all the time um, <laughs> but it's kind of a joy to not be tired <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like, particularly on rock trips, I really like that. Yeah, I bet for trips it's really good. But then on a trip, you're you're in more of a like performing sort of um, phase, aren't you? As opposed to to like trying to create some stimulus for like adaptations. Yeah, yeah. that's also the bit when rest days are the hardest, though, when you're on trips. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How important do you think? You know, like the, uh, like kind of like the real idealized feats of strength. In my mind, you've always like represented that really well. So, like, I don't know, you can do how many one armors can you do? I know ten is pretty easy for you. Uh, and like, what? hang like no, it's it's. I have I have done ten. It's not. Um, it's definitely it's not easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like <laughs> at one point, I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a like, lot. It's a lot of one armors, and then like hang like a like a lot on an edge, and they're like the. I feel like in my mind, they're like the two things. Maybe maybe yeah. front levers will be thrown in there. The two things which are like most idealized in like the training world. Um, the reason like I've always I find it quite interesting now is because I always felt like kind of like i was quite drawn into that like oh yeah, yeah that's the way to get stronger i'm actually really crap at all that stuff yeah, I can yeah. maybe do a one armor on a good day but how helpful do you find that 
really for like your like do you find there's a good correlation between all that and like how strong you feel on the wall mm. again it's like it just depends on what you're on like it's so obviously um that's just such a good it's a good example isn't it but again between us like maybe on a very specific edge in a very specific grip so like the beastmaker middle edge is like really comfy for me i really like half crimp and i can i can add like quite a lot of weight to it like and maybe maybe more than you but there's no way but but there's no way that you have that i have stronger fingers than you like as soon as the edge size becomes smaller like i just can't hold on to it whereas you'll be all over it so i think it's just like training for what um for for certain things i think in competitions generally you don't have holds that are that small um and it's useful to be able to sort of like generate a lot yeah a lot of force through a relatively good edge whereas outside i think it's a lot better to be able to actually hold on to smaller things and it's again kind of similar with like the one arms i guess um like i don't think you know there's loads of people who are way way better who can't do any but like i don't know for me i i do feel sometimes like when they feel easy it's the same like if i can hit a hold and just like pull through on it quite comfortably do you think it is probably like quite a compy thing as well in that like it's rare on the rock that you like end up getting a hold and the wall's so underfeatured that there's just no feet whereas like it can obviously be generated on a climbing wall very easily because they are just mm. like flat panels so you can like get an open-handed edge and have no footholds and only have that to generate on and it does seem like there's been a lot more of that like footless kind of climbing mm. like or like yeah. rose moves have always been a thing but like there seem to be a lot more of that just like footless moves in yeah, yeah. lean and these days actually one of the um one of the, the probably the most physical bowl that we had in um in Munich was like started on some pockets, did a huge campus out to a good hold. You had to then like take a swing onto that hold and then do a, a one armor up to a pocket. And that was like why I like uh, flashed up to the bonus. So like got through that move and stuff. And I'd say like maybe it didn't feel like to me, it didn't feel like that much of a difficult move. But then when you see other people on it, and so I think most people did like a figure four to. Um, get through that but I mean yeah. Yeah, yeah, it should have just been better <laughs> technically and it wouldn't have mattered but it just kind of shows with climbing doesn't it like there's so there's so many variables to it like if you're missing what you're missing in strength you can just make back with technique and kind of vice versa yeah it's been annoying to see all that brilliant campus training get negated by a figure of four <laughs> <laughs> start it's training nice figure four power more training questions uh i wanted to ask a little bit about um so you say when you do like uh board sessions or or something do you have like a kind of do you do repeaters or four by fours or do you just kind of just do hard boulders like how regimented is it um generally my board sessions aren't actually that regimented i normally Mm. just split it by like type of moves so maybe like it might one a board session might be like I'll focus there'll be an emphasis on like crimpy boulders or maybe another set 
another day there might be an emphasis on like more on pitches and like wide moves and compression and i generally tend to switch styles as opposed to um actually having structure in terms of what i'm doing on there but when i'm on there i generally just do it by time so like i might climb for two hours or something to make sure i do enough okay so it's not like too regimented but you have kind of like a time thing yeah i think with my board session i tend to focus more on like quality than um than timings and numbers and that sort of thing whereas with uh when i'm training like lee it's a lot more like sticking to rest times getting a certain number of moves in that sort of mm. thing and with both yeah especially with board it's just sort of like long rests i treat it as you would kind of any max strength exercise like i want each um attempt to be as like good quality as possible so you know having like big rests in between just tr- try as hard as possible um Kind of the big question that everyone always wants to know, um, which obviously they're kind of never going to get a fully satisfying answer to this. That's the spoiler. But like, have you kind of had anything over your career as a climber where you've started training something and you've seen like an actual obvious benefit to your overall climbing quite quickly from a training modality? I think it's really hard to answer that because I've trained for so long. So like I was Mm. saying, I think I've, you know, going off of like modern standards, I got to where I am like very slowly over like a, cause I've climbed sort of, I started climbing when I was six and I, and I wasn't very good early on. So it took me like a long time of lots of gradual training to sort of like get to where I am now. Whereas you see some people now who've just like start climbing and then within a couple of years are like winning comps or, you know, climbing really hard, um, boulders outside. So it was, it's hard to say that one specific thing has really improved in a certain way just because I have been doing most things for such a long time. But one thing I'd say I do notice is, um, so something I don't do all year round is um, power training, um, just because it, you can't really maintain it for that long. So when I do introduce like um, power exercises, so campusing or campus boulders or just anything with sort of an emphasis on speed of the movement, I do notice my climbing becomes a lot snappier. Mm. And what's power training to you? Uh, for me, it would just uh, mainly do it all on the campus board or campus and boulders. Right. So you, you, your sort of standard like reps of 147 or 158, that sort of thing. What do you think your, your biggest strength is? I don't know. I don't think, I think if I, if I went by like styles, I really like, um, compression if it's within mm. my reach. And in comps as well, actually, like squeezing between volumes and quite weird, like pa- technical but powerful boulders, I think is kind of my favorite thing. Yeah. Just sort of being strong through like the whole body and being able to apply like force through your legs to like squeeze and hold you on maybe. Like a lot of like, uh, like, muscular coordination maintaining yeah. tension for yeah, like vague body correct you're an all-rounder in both disciplines and styles <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing is that some people have like a super strength and those people normally have a weakness and other people more ha- their strength is kind of having an absence of an obvious weakness um i think the all-rounder kind of style of things is definitely a feature that is more prominent in people who spend a lot of time doing comps because it's very it's a very unforgiving format like if you 
can't squeeze or compress things and but you're really good on edges you'll do awful equally if you can't climb a slab but you're really strong chances are you've like only got three out of four boulders to do like it will make a big difference i think from again looking at it from the comp side of things like if i go out to the boulders i think generally i would do better like against other people i would prefer to have like a really physical set of boulders one thing i thought was interesting your out of people i've climbed with remarkably uh like not injury prone or you've had very few injuries uh especially for someone who has so consistently kept a high volume but i thought about that just when you were talking about um having like having like climbed at this like this like training capacity for so many years um and i kind of think that's like quite often a feature of like the like likes of like Andro and things that seem to train so much mm. but from like a ridiculously young age yeah i don't know it seems to be a, like feet uh, like a characteristic that makes or breaks people like yeah you probably only really hear of the stories of people that get through that but um uh it does seem to like a trait of those like who've trained so much from a young age so yeah that's interesting I think as well off of that is like because I like I was saying before where I sort of quite gradually got better I wasn't um I think when you suddenly get really strong and really good you almost like overtake your body's like force withstanding like capabilities so like if if all if you're just crazy strong but maybe your fingers and tendons and ligaments and stuff haven't had time to like get used to these strengths that you can like forces you can exert on them that's when they're sort of like prone to to some damage if if it's like not done right whereas i think because because i've like really gradually improved over the years i guess that's just helped with sort of never like getting a few too many steps ahead everything's yeah. like time to to build up because yeah. it is it is a thing that like that white tissue is like a lot slower to adapt, isn't it? The likes of um, than muscles. Yeah, the passive structures just take time, don't they? It's just slow remodeling process. Um, but what's fascinating about that is that's why like climbing is so different from so like basically all other sports is because one of the huge components of climbing is tendon remodeling, which isn't. Mm. Whereas like most of the sports, it's more muscular, which is why it's like climbing is, is still kind of in its infancy when it comes to like, uh, you know, the research and science behind it, which is, you know, quite fun. It's quite fun to be in that phase yeah. of a sport because yeah, people no. are all doing different stuff. Yeah. A crippling injury and no idea how to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was why, you know, there were so many finger injuries over lockdown because so many people like... It was like, oh, right, now is my time to fingerboard. And that was their whole yeah. climbing. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I just planned to fingerboard five times a week and I'm going to come out with, like, super strong fingers. And they just came yeah. out injured. And some, some people did. And, yeah, some people broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, it was always some people that it works for amazingly. And they're like, wow, yeah, results. But those people probably had quite a big, long backlog of climbing and more ready for the for the load. We, I just got the last slightly cheesy question. Do you have any advice, Jim, for 
newer to intermediate climbers for like for training yeah um or life <laughs> yeah or life just generally <laughs> not very good i'm not, I'm not sure very good with life <laughs> opening this space for your inspirational yeah, speech yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, i think i guess it's probably just boring stuff that no one really wants to hear just um, oh believe me people will love to hear it yeah, <laughs> yeah probably i think yeah just 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 you can get really good from just climbing loads and um i think like listening to your body and you know if you, if something's hurting or aching just taking a little bit of time to address it rather than like getting injured and then being set back for three months like the gradual approach i think is uh, if you want to climb for a long time, it's a lot more um, beneficial. I think. I actually, I actually think that's phenomenal advice because it's it kind of works both ways. Like if you if you feel really fresh with the amount of climbing or training you're doing, you can do more. But if you're feeling knackered, don't think the way to like, oh, you know, I'm climbing a bit weaker at the moment. I'll just keep adding more training in to get mm-hmm. strong, and that's just how people get injured. And it's kind of sad to watch. It is actually quite hard to get like quite an objective view of where you are at as well, or like how important things are when you're like living in it. Like, there's so many times where like I've like been on a boulder and I'm like, oh, but I want to do it today, but it's kind of like pissing off this injury that I've got. Yeah. But maybe I could just have another go, and then like, sure enough, it gets worse or something. Where realistically, it's not going anywhere, and like bit of longevity a bit of patience like come back another day kind of thing it's not the end of the world and then yeah when you have that on i don't know your benchmark moonboard project realistically (laughs) it doesn't matter that much (laughs) no the the timeless nature of moonboard projecting (laughs) (laughs) there'll always be another moonboard (laughs) i had my first ever moonboard session the other day how did it go i got my ass kicked it was so hard (laughs) <laughs> that does tend I to happen the first few times it was nails it was really hard i found i i started on i put it on 7c tried about five and couldn't get a penny and dropped it to about 7b and then just producted those for like an hour <laughs> and then, then gave up which set were you on oh, i have no idea the old there school one red one ones, some wood ones oh some red ones that's the yeah. second one, right? Yeah, that's, that's the middle one. That's the uh, never, never almost universally one. hated second oh, really? second album. Yeah. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's kind of the sad rejected child of the moonboard. Uh, I'm not progeny. a big fan of. Well, I've actually, well, I can't. I can only talk for that one, but I'm not a very big fan of either. I, the idea is really good, but for me, I always I have quite this recurring. Thing where I like burst blood vessels in my fingers that's sort of like the only I wouldn't call it an injury but it's the only annoyance which is quite regular with like training and those holds always trigger trigger it mm. and just like pop them so I'm actually really surprised yeah. that you didn't get on really well with it to be honest because we haven't really climbed together Jim but the only time we have climbed together you did feel the pinch which is basically a one arm basically you just pull through on one arm with one foot and that is the quintessential moonboard move <laughs> I, yeah, most of the boulders i tried on the moonboard did actually have that move it was yeah just, it comes up a, a lot 
put your foot on your other hand and then jump to another one. Yeah. But they yeah. were just huge. The moves were massive. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. funny how you get the knack of it, though. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should just stick it out a bit more. I just yeah, I, I mean, I haven't, I don't, can't really remember many times when I've done that move in any of the contexts there. That was right. I've done it in two contexts, Aiden. I've done it on the moon board and I've done it on Field of Pinch. So <laughs> just next door. <laughs> you can train on the moon board to go to a schoolroom and get on the 50. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Doing yeah. Field of Pinch, though, that's probably one of my climbing highlights, maybe. Took me, it was the longest longest of all the the um schoolroom classic original problems that is the last one i had to do so was, oh, that's, was, a, that's a pinnacle I, of your climbing career yeah <laughs> i actually still i actually still haven't done it i've done the move by itself like a hundred times and i've fallen off from the start yeah. 50 times <laughs> it's, it's so strange isn't it how much harder <laughs> just those at bottom few moves make it oh it's so good though i'll, I'll do it this season but I'm putting a flag in the ground. <laughs> there's no other board in the world where there's a season for the board. <laughs> yeah, there's a real season. Yeah, it's true. It's and there's also it's that so board funny. knows no end. There's, I know of a replica of one of the boarders set on that board. <laughs> yeah, they've got one at Mile End. They did have one. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Is that a, the one you're... yeah it's a replica. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I, I remember a cousin set it for Lamel and he flashed it, I think. Oh, nice. But he yeah. hasn't been to the. He hasn't been. Ah, I guess he doesn't have to go to the school. Doesn't have to now. Yeah, yeah. That's the harder replica. So there's no need to come and do the real <laughs> <laughs> The hallowed ground that is the yeah. schoolroom board. We had um. I had a friend come and train from France, and we went to the schoolroom. And he's you know he's like World Cup climber, like making semi-finals and stuff. So really, he's really good, but. If you're not interested, if you if you're not interested in like the climbing history, or you know, he just got there, didn't know what the board <laughs> was, and if you, and I think if you if if you had no connection with it through knowing what it is and its history, it it would just be pretty horrible, wouldn't it? Like, oh yeah, I mean, like, he was like, it's literally going near it. I don't want to. I don't want to get splinters. Yeah, there's like <laughs> screws sticking out of them. And yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And ancient screws, splinters, and tetanus. <laughs> but what I did like to Ben Ben said about it though is because like he was laughing about how you know how like all wooden hold manufacturers now are like so like oh don't and like you, you put them up on system boards and then everyone's saying yeah. don't stand on the wooden holds. Yeah. And then he's got like things he ripped out of a skip in the eighties that have been stood on for thirty years and are still yeah. absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Majority are fine. Some problems have definitely changed a bit, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just a mimic bad. rock, you know. There's a ro- there's rock erosion. That's a thing. Like holds crumble. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just a <Yeah>. better. <laughs> it evolves. Yeah. I mean, the they don't get, get easier, do they? I mean, can they get easier? They can't really. No, I don't think so. Like think yeah, of the, the perky start hold. Yeah, just that's absolutely like, rank. Definitely harder. Flaking off bit by bit you just have to smash your thumb onto a point corner of a bit of wooden choss and then it works (laughs) 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 oh well we're getting getting wildly off topic we're getting deep 
<laughs> this is going to be fascinating for people that, who have no idea what yeah, the story I must, is. Yes, sorry, slight apology. You, yeah, I always remember to say only 40% of our listeners are in the UK. So, yeah, everyone background not, context, the schoolroom board is, ah, perhaps, actually, it does have historical significance. Perhaps, like, kind of breathed life into board climbing as like a form of training obviously i don't know why i said it has horrible uh historical significance as i was surprised yeah it basically was the origins of training on a board so yeah it's basically the original board that's what we're gonna say anyway yeah 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 um yeah and the boulders are also genuinely really really good and i, I it sounds like really cliche to say that but I genuinely think they are. Yeah. And <laughs> when you do them, it feels like you've ticked off a project at the crag, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not absolutely. It's not a board problem. It's something you want You want in your logbook. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've said it on the podcast already. I'd rather do milk it than 99.99% of rock climbs. <laughs> 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 Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I can't even hold the positions. Um, but yeah, that aside... You might not be patriotic, but we're proud of the school room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really am. Although I would be like so worried taking like an international climber there. Because I feel like... <laughs> There's been some good... It. Yeah, Magos has been over. He loves yeah, it. But he's well into like history and that sort of thing, isn't he? So like... Yeah, yeah. It, I think it totally depends on the climber. We're getting really niche. Yeah, we're getting really niche. I might, I might even cut that bit out. <laughs> no, people would love that. <laughs> yeah, I was there. I saw it. But hang on a second, Aiden. Like, because I've seen you do all the moves on a boulder and then not even try and link it. You yeah, did. but I had, a, I, had, I had a bad finger, so I was practicing reservation at the time. Right, okay. <laughs> Wait, is that the off the Devon one? Yeah, you did like you basically did it except the easy move, and then you just didn't bother to try and put it together. Yeah, I, I was I was trying yeah, to was so below him. <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was trying to be smart, and uh, I just realised that um, it was timeless and it wasn't going anywhere unless the hold crumbled. Yeah. Oh God, I better get back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be the pinnacle of your career when you do that. Shame to let it go. Uh, all right let's 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 wrap up because actually this is only this is supposed to add on to a podcast that we've already done and we've already been chatting for an hour so uh i've, I've just got a few little silly either or questions for you oh, yeah. uh jim and um, nice. just for the silly lightweight bit at the end uh sport climbing or track climbing track climbing I should add that the, the, the men are here with their guns and they must make you answer. So you have to yeah. answer. Yeah, try uh, uh, And I said that in prefix to the next one, comp climbing or rock climbing? Rock climbing. Okay. Gritstone or granite? Gritstone. Sandstone or limestone? Sandstone. Pinches or slopers? Pinches. Slabs or overhangs? Um, oh, thanks. Ah, that was good that was quick that was, they were the quickest responses we had the yeah, quick yeah, fire questions there, <laughs> the only person who definitely can't do quick fire questions is you Aiden yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> it's quick fire question long form answer when you do it Aiden <laughs> I've got two more 
I've got system board or splatter board. Splatter. Well, with system, do you mean like symmetrical? Yeah, I, I kind of mean just generic board climbing, but I was trying to, I wasn't sure how to phrase it. Now we're talking quick fire. Yeah, quick I know. Fire questions. <laughs> I phrased it that way to make it quicker, and now I've ruined it by having to explain it. Yeah, I'm splat. not into symmetrical boards, though. Yeah, me neither. So, yeah, no. if it was a non symmetrical systems board, systems board. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, last one uh, soft, soft shoes or hard shoes? Soft, soft. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. That's the lightweight bit at the end done. Tea <laughs> <laughs> or coffee? Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know why I even asked that. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your contribution, eh? Thank you. <laughs> I felt like I'd been quiet for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well thank, thanks so much for coming back on uh, Jim no, it's always nice to chat to you guys that's great Cheers, sorry, to waste, sorry to waste an hour of your time <laughs> uh, it was nice. I split up my uni work nicely alright well that's everything from Jim for this time uh, hopefully he'll be willing to come back on and chat to us again at some point in the future uh, he's a really interesting guy to talk to Uh, And just again, thanks everybody for all your kind reviews uh, and everybody who's messaged me and saying they're enjoying the podcast. It's uh, uh, definitely keeping us motivated to keep going. So thanks a lot for that, guys. Cheers.